0: And welcome to How we Live Online. I'm Christina. I'm Joanna. And today we are talking about Web three and specifically Web three for individual independent creators, um, mainly writers, because that's my understanding of it. And we're going to do a lot of comparison to the way that the publishing industry, works and has been working for many years Um, just kind of as a baseline first I'm going to talk about just like publishing and how that works and then like indie publishing and then f- fan fiction ish like s- self-publishing and then I'm going to talk about web three okay mm-hmm. because in order to talk about the last thing I want to talk about you guys need to understand those two things so it's going to take me a minute to get to where I want to go are you ready I'm so ready okay yeah so I want to talk about indie publishing slash independent artists specifically in the online sphere, especially writers specifically writers because that's what I know most about. That's what's you know mostly going to impact me, right? So um, traditionally, in you know traditional publishing, there have been the big five publishing houses, formerly the big six. The big five are Penguin Random House, um, which used to be. Penguin Books, and Random House, and now it's Penguin Random House, um, Hachette, HarperCollins, Simon & Schuster, and Macmillan, so those are the big five. Um, underneath all of those five publishing houses are hundreds of imprints, so, um, like, I have some books to explain, so in this copy of Mary Skills, Somebody with a Little Hammer, this was printed by vintage books which is an imprint of penguin random house um hmm. so this belongs to penguin random house but it wasn't done by penguin books or like the the main literary fiction one it was like the essay the essay imprint guy vintage books right and then um there are also things called series um which is like have you seen these Copies of classic books that have the Penguin mm-hmm. um, logo on the front. Mm-hmm. What are you? Looking I'm looking for? at my
1: bookshelf. To this is my <laughs> bookshelf right next to me, so it like, you. You looked like you looked
0: like your mom was like coming into your room. You were like, huh?
1: <laughs> no, I was just looking if I could see any examples of those. But yeah, yeah, so if you're
0: if you're watching the video, you can see this like Penguin's Classics logo on the front of this. So the series is Penguin Classics. The imprint is Penguin Books and the house is um, Penguin Random House. And this is a copy of On the Road by Jack Kerouac. And then I also wanted to show you two other ones because these are old books and I think it's interesting. So this copy of Dubliners is from Random House, which is before the Penguin Random House merger. (laughs) um, And it's and the random house version of this penguins classic thing was called bantam classic. So that's at the top of this copy. Um, so like just depending on when your book was published or, you know, your copy of whatever book you've purchased was published. Um, you can see the ways that the publishing industry has changed and merged with each other. Um, and then I have this super old copy of Google's the diary of a madman. Um, and this i don't know how to say this word is a signet or signet classic um it was published by signet which is an imprint of the new american library which was then acquired by penguin and now penguin sure. is penguin random house so like this has been under a thousand umbrellas this is the oldest copy of this book it's like under 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 a bunch of things and now belongs to penguin random house technically um but all of that is to say these publishing houses are absorbing one another that's how this has been working especially in the past like 50 years um, oh i guess more than that whoa cuz it's 2020 i don't know like mm-hmm. 70 years um it's extremely hard to break through as a writer when the when like this is a kind of industry like everything is absorbing each other like people are moving from you know um house to house And, um, it really is a game of who, you know, if you want to do like the traditional route, you have to get an agent, get, um, your agent to get you in with an editor or, um, the book acquirer. I don't, I'm, I'm blanking on the word for that. Um, but that's a schmoozing game. Right. And Mm -hmm. then the way that writers get paid, like authors, novelists get paid, is their book gets bought by an imprint right and you don't just get um like a salary I feel like when I was little I thought that authors were like had just that was their job but no one no like modern author can afford to um just write novels like everyone Mm -hmm. is a professor or doing some other thing or they're super famous but they're not making most of their money from their novels they're making money from um you know writing for marvel like Roxanne gay or um like speaking
1: engagements
0: i feel like a lot of people
1: do that for money yeah
0: she spends she tweets all the time about like um hating airplanes because she's always on airplanes to go speak somewhere because that's how she makes like Mm -hmm. a very significant amount of her money um so how authors do get paid is that the uh, the imprint or the house or whatever buys their book and they offer an advance for the book. So um, I know that, I know someone actually who just got their YA novel got, got picked up and he was given a $50,000 advance. So he was, I think you get that either in quarters or however it gets given to you within the year that they take to publish your book that's what you get um and then once your book goes to print and it gets sold you don't make any money off of your book until the royalties have reached that amount of your advance so my friend won't make a a cent from his own novel until they have made at least fifty thousand dollars off of it um And then you start making your royalties. So that's that. That's why so many writers also just have so many gigs. Um, Yeah. And something that recently happened that I think is really interesting in terms of like the economy and such is so Penguin Random House um, was supposed to merge with Simon and Schuster in October. 2022 which oh, wow. made it the big four right that's um because nuts. Simon and Schuster sorry that's nuts super nuts so where's the monopoly Schuster, busting okay this is where it's crazy right so Simon and Schuster is for sale and it's still for sale and wait let me like double check that it's Simon and Schuster that is for sale and not paper for house
1: Whenever I hear Schuster, I just think of Glee and Will Schuster. Yeah. Makes me want to um.
0: Any Gleeks out there? Any Gleeks out there? Okay, yeah. So Simon & Schuster is for sale. Um, Penguin Random House really wanted to buy it. Hmm. And there's this huge... Um, there's this huge court case between Penguin Random House and the U.S. government because mm-hmm. it could possibly be a monopoly, right? If because all the books would be under the Penguin, Random House, Simon and Schuster, in, or House, um, but the sale did not go through, not because it was a monopoly considered a monopoly, but because it was considered a monopsony, which is a word that I just learned. Oh, a monopsony. Monopsony, M-O-N-O-P-S-O-N-Y, is a market situation in which there's only one buyer. So, it's not that they're the only people selling the books, right? Because like, there are so many booksellers. The biggest one being Amazon, which is also a publisher, but does most of the work in books is for Amazon is mostly in selling the books, not in Acquiring books from writers and then publishing them, though that is likely to change. Um, but basically, in a monopsony, um when there's only one buyer, they can in this case significant significantly control the wages for the authors. So Mm. this was like a really unexpected outcome. Like no one thought that the US government would be like, no, we have to make sure our authors are getting paid. <laughs> I couldn't really believe that. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's what happened. Because usually we hear about monopolies because that's the concern with consumers and not with workers. But mm-hmm. when there's a monopsony, they uh, it's more about a control of wages. So I'm just going to read two quotes from this Vox article about the publishing antitrust lawsuit merger situation. Um, it says, the government argued that with this combined market share, the proposed prhs would be able to buy books from authors with minimal competition. It would be able to offer lower and lower advances, and authors would have no choice but to accept these lower offers, which are already, like, I want to add, very low like my friend who got $50,000 as an advance for a YA novel like that's a lot for a YA novel and YA makes way more money than lit than like literary fiction um that's just the case like a lot of people are not making a lot of money unless like your first book blows up and then you're famous (laughs) or Mm -hmm. like you know like I'm sure and it's just easy to use Roxanne Gay as a, as a example, because I know a lot about her. I feel like she's, she's a good author. People know her name. Um, but like, she can propose a book. She can write any, like anything she writes is going to get published at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Like her advances, I'm sure are very high, but um, that's not, that's the case because her first book blew up. Also, it's worth noting that she started her career as, like, you know, a, a famous author very, li- to, very late in her life, in heavy quotation marks. Like, you know, She's, she wasn't, like, 21 publishing this book, right? Um, But anyway, uh, the Vox thing also says, The story of American publishing over the past 100 years is a story of an industry consolidating itself, and of that consolidation encouraging homo- homogeneity. Did I say that word right? Mm-hmm. Homogeneity, blandness, and the safest possible publishing decisions. It remains wow. to be seen whether this court's decision in this case will turn that consolidation around. The most likely, next step for Simon and Schuster, after all, is to merge with Harper Collins instead, which is kind of a joke because, like, Harper Collins is another one of the Big Five, and um, they just sell fewer books than um or acquire fewer books than penguin random house yeah like and the joke is like this is just you know like a friend group who all fucks each other basically (laughs) like that's just kind of what it seems like to me that's my best analogy okay so that's the background to know about how like publishing how like traditional publishing works and how um the like usual path to to writing is to publishing your writing. Yeah. I think also
1: like just that statement at the end, I know we're focusing on writing, but I guess like if people don't see that trend, like in their, um, you know, literary consumption, I feel like it's super analogous to a lot that seems to be trending in other, you know, artistic industries like movies. Like I just think about like all the sequels and like, I'm sure any fan of movies would say, of course, there's always like very creative movies and new stuff coming out. But I think like overall, the trend is like pretty much characterized the same way that they characterize the trends in um, writing, like everything's kind of bland and like, (laughs) just like a homogenous landscape. The safest
0: possible option, like the thing that you think is going to sell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what a bummer! It is a bummer. Yeah. So what we do we do? More we risks. get to that later. That's what. <laughs> kind of, but also kind of not as usual. Anyway, Ooh. okay. So then there's that. That's traditional publishing, and then there's indie pubbed books or indie publishing, which is now a phrase that independent slash self published authors are starting to use but there is a middle ground between like traditional publishing and independent slash self-publishing. And that is what has been called indie publishing for a long time. And those are just indie presses. They're really small presses. Um, And I looked at a bunch of like big lists of indie presses, like American indie presses. And the largest number that I saw for indie presses was 221. So it's, so small there are like hundreds of imprints per the big five right um but here are some big ones that maybe you have heard of europa editions uh which published my brilliant friend by elena ferrante which is like huge series um that was like internationally renowned there's gray wolf press which published my body and other parties by carmen maria machado Uh, mcsweeney's uh which Published the Circle by Dave Eggers, which I haven't read, but it's about like it's some like internet dystopia book. Which oh I yeah, um, I forget the exact premise, but I, I was interested to know more about that. Anyway, so those are a few of the big ones: Europa Editions, Gray Wolf, and McSweeney's. Um, and then, so this is what industry people, uh, publishing industry people call the Indies or indie pubbed presses um they have a way smaller staff they have a way longer process um but as a writer you have more control and input you definitely get a smaller advance but you are more likely to earn out your advance so if you decide to publish with like elena ferrante for example she decides to publish her book through europa editions probably didn't get a lot of money for it and then it went it blew up like she is um that is not her real name i think they figured out who who it is but um elena ferrante slash whatever her real name is is like definitely rich because that book blew up and she didn't even have to like wait too long to earn out the advance that she got i'm sure so um it's just a game. It's a crazy game. Like you have no idea if your book is going to sell really well. If you are a front runner book for, you know, a big publishing house and they've front runner meaning like they like see your book and they're like, we have a feeling that this is going to sell. They decide to put a lot of money into marketing that book because they are now like trying to they're paying for it to be on the table at Barnes and Noble. Right but like these presses can't afford to do stuff like that and like have like a huge book tour for you and and fund it. Um and then there's self-publishing. Um yeah, people are now saying indie pubbed for self-publishing, but there is a huge difference. Um independent presses will basically do the same thing as the big publishing houses except that you you know, get less money, have a smaller team, more independence usually um but now you can pay any so many different companies to make your book for you um and that's technically still self-publishing because you just like upload the document and then you pay for so much stuff out of pocket you have to pay for like if you want a specific font you have to actually pay you know for the printing of the book but you also have mm-hmm. to pay for your copy editors, unless you just like want to send it and be a fool. Like that's foolish in my opinion. Um, yeah. You have to pay for someone to design your book cover. You, they're like, you have to pay for someone to set the pages, unless you know, unless you decide to like spend an extremely long time learning a million different skills and write a novel. You are going to be spending. Thousands of dollars to publish your own book, which people do, and mm-hmm. sometimes they go crazy, and then you make a lot of money. Like I'm pretty sure The Martian was self published. Really, I think so. And um do you have a, if you have a copy of it, <laughs> I want to see. I, I
1: literally, I no, think like the I was self
0: published. And then Twilight was where it is. Twilight was fan fiction, but I don't know if it was self published. And then, um, yeah. And then a lot of people just like upload the document to um, Amazon Kindle Direct Publishing and people download their book from there. So, and then this is just interesting to me. Amazon has 12 imprints, um, including Little A, which I think is a very slick and sly name because it sounds like an indie press. When you open the book and you see it was published by Little A, but then you realize it's Amazon and it's like their literary fiction um, imprint. And they also have Mindy Kaling's Mindy's Book Studio is an imprint of Amazon. So what? She's, she's publishing some books. I clicked on it. There's only been two um, or like a handful. But yeah. And then also of note, Amazon is the largest bookseller in the world. We knew that. Um and then there is even less fancy ways to publish. Like you can just post your stuff on fanfiction websites like Wattpad. I mean, the ones that I know of slash used were Wattpad, Wattpad, Tumblr. I use Scribd. There's also AO3, which is called Archive of Our Own, which like maybe has been shut down now, but apparently was a huge one. There's fanfiction.net. There are a million, truly so many. Um, and then there's also like blog sites like Medium, Substack, Patreon, or people at their own website, et cetera. People post their poetry just on their Instagram, Ruby Car Vibes. You know. So there's the publishing background. And then I'm gonna talk about web three. What do you know about web three drama? Um When I think of Web3,
1: I guess, well, I think about like Web2, and then I guess before that, just Web. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, I think of Web3 as like an idea, um, like an ideal that people are striving towards. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think we mentioned Web3 in our last episode and i guess like one of the central ideas is this idea of <laughs> the central idea haha ha, cuz it is decentralization yeah um on the web but yeah so i think well what's interesting about these web whatever to me at least as someone who's like fairly technically inclined is like that there are all these ideals but then there's also like the actual implementation of those ideals which is like making sure that there's technology that could, um, that that these ideals can stand up on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's where some of these things get sticky of like, how do you actually implement, um, you know, decentralized protocols on the web? People are working on it. Um, yeah, that's what I know.
0: Yeah, I think that I'm really excited that we decided to, so Joanna and I have met, ridiculously planned this season to really roll off of the pat like the episode before and like hopefully everything kind of builds off of each other until we get to the end of the season um that's the plan at least and I have more thoughts about this but I just want to quickly say like I think that what's so cool about the project that we're doing is that we're doing a season and that the season is like an album in a way like it 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 is purposefully planned to be this way like there is a reason that this is in this um order and hopefully You are learning things as I am for sure from Joanna and also just from doing my own individual research. So I'm excited to talk about this, especially post crypto and pre our next episode. Um, But yeah, so Web3 is the decentralized version of the online world. So it's an idea I didn't really understand, like. What people were saying when they were talking about that, because you you think like, oh, the dark web, like I'm like darkweb.com, web 3com <laughs> where are we going? But it's it's a phase. It's um, it's a movement. It's like the waves of feminism. <laughs> but yeah, the web one was 1999 to 2004 ish. It had static pages which were like read only. You don't log in um, and everything is like hyperlinked together. So you kind of just click from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and you're a consumer of the internet. You're not engaging with it. You gather information from it. It's like reading a book, a really big, weird book. X street, X street. (laughs) (laughs) And then web two is 2004-ish until now where information flows between the sites and the user, the, um, user us, we are giving our data to these sites to improve, you know, like they know how long we linger on certain things. They know what pages we look at the most. And they take that into consideration to give us, um, a quote unquote, better experience online to get us to stay online longer. Um, And then those sites start to profit off of that collection of data once they start selling it to advertisers. So there's a lot of like audiences or there's a lot of engagement between like not just the site, now it's the site and me, and now it's the site and me and the advertiser. Um, It's the age of targeted advertising and lack of privacy Um, and everyone's feed Different because of this personal data collection. If Joanna and I go on Facebook at the same time, even though we have we went to high school together, we have a lot of the same friends on Facebook. Our Facebook feeds are not going to look the same, and our ads are not definitely not going to look the same. (laughs) Um, and I will link all of the sources for this stuff in the show, but specifically, I just want to shout out. Um, whiteboard crypto which is a youtube channel they do really really helpful like crypto web 3 nerdy videos that are just like beautifully explained so i've taken a lot from them so web 3 is going to use it's going to be a phase of the internet that uses blockchain technology and the tools of decentralization. And we, when we talk about decentralization, we talk what we mean is it's not like Elon Musk and the Twitter shareholders are going to be discussing the way that Twitter works anymore. Once Twitter becomes a DAO, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, DAO stands for decentralized autonomous organization. Once Twitter, like let's say Twitter becomes a DAO, it becomes decentralized. No longer will those decisions be made by like the Twitter share shareholders and Elon Musk, but it will be made by people like me who use Twitter, who get tokens through whatever means. Um, and those tokens are would be considered a vote, right? Our current understanding is that on the web, right now. We can delete our posts or accounts, but it's not really a guarantee. Like, there's this idea that you can, you know, delete all your shit from the internet, but it's still existing somewhere. Um, And like, you can, for example, you can delete your Twitter, but the replies to your tweets still exist. So using context clues, like someone could figure out what you said. Um, Also people screenshot stuff. So yeah, nothing, nothing gets actually deleted. When people talk about Web3, they say that you will have full control of your data, which means that when you delete something, it will actually be deleted. But I have questions about that that I'll get to. So Odyssey is a blockchain alternative to YouTube. Like it's the Web3 version of YouTube. So on Odyssey, creators can get library tokens, which are just like an NFT which is just a digital asset. Think of it truly as a little gold coin, but it's just on the internet. Um, Creators can get library tokens, which are basically a reward for enticing viewers to watch their videos. The thing about Odyssey is that they can't really stop a video from being posted. So YouTube and TikTok have rules. They're like, you can't post naked videos or you can't post like breastfeeding videos or whatever. Odyssey doesn't stop videos from being posted. For example, if someone posts a video and someone else in the network wants to share it, they technically download that video and then let others watch that video and download it as well. Kind of like a big torrent network, which is why I don't understand why if I own my data and people are downloading my video they have my video. They actually have my Mm. video more securely than they had it in web two. So I don't Mm. understand the discourse around like owning your data more, Um, which maybe Joanna, you can explain to me. But anyway, so it's kind of like a big torrenting network. And um, that's like, you know, when you steal, when you illegally download movies from the internet, but it wouldn't be illegal in this case. So your post couldn't just get taken down because it wouldn't be on one of the servers. Like if you post something on Facebook, it exists on Facebook server. But on Odyssey, because people in order to watch it have to download it, it would theoretically Mm -hmm. be on thousands of computers around the world, ensuring that the blockchain social network you're on is not attacked or censored. So when people talk about like, Censorship and being and like their data being attacked and stuff. They're not talking about like a regular user deciding to download your video from Odyssey, meaning this like blockchain version of YouTube. They're talking about like someone with like intent, like intent to harm trying to get to your video and like stealing it or taking all of your Mm. information and like your money or something. Like they're talking about like digital terrorists. Which I feel like that, and I'm getting into my opinion right now, to me that doesn't exist as much as we talk about it existing. I don't know. Um, But anyway, your post couldn't just get taken down because it wouldn't be on one of let's say like Facebook's or YouTube servers, it would theoretically be on thousands of computers around the world ensuring that the blockchain social network you're on is not attacked or censored. Theoretically, this means there would be a lot of illegal and hateful things posted, but it would be in the name of freedom, of which the users of the networks could probably decide on a system to reduce that harmful content. So in this odyssey, like blockchain version of YouTube, you can post whatever the fuck you want. It's not like YouTube is going to be like, that's wrong. That's hate speech and is going to take it down. Um. Yeah. So this video says that we will reach the point in the internet where every, we will likely reach the point in the internet where every company is run by a decentralized group called a DAO. Um, essentially, there would be no CEOs or presidents and those with the most tokens decide on how the company changes. It's not limited by a government. Or some kind of like family tradition, or you know, the shareholders, the CEO, blah, blah, blah. It's not like, so there wouldn't be one controlling authority making all the decisions about YouTube. It would be me with a token. I now have a vote and like I can make, I can vote in this online community about how I want the community to work. Also in Web3, your digital identity is not 100% connected to your real identity. You can download things, make purchases and other activity without being traced to the real you because of things like, I forget what it's called, but it's like crypto mask. Like you, you will essentially have like, like meta, like metaverse, you will have a whole new world. It will be a brave new world in web three. And you can just like subsume some new identity. Um, But this video goes on to say what the reality of that is probably going to look like is that you can buy Amazon gift cards using your crypto wallet and pay with Ethereum, which is a kind of cryptocurrency. Um, You can anonymously leave a like on a friend's post using one of your hidden wallets. Um, So everything is going to be attached to your online identity, but you don't have to be upfront about who that is. And I also think you can have multiple online identities. That would mean that all these things are like all these social networking sites would become a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization, um, which is a structure in which token holders participate in the management and decision making of an entity or site. Um, there's no central authority. Instead, power is distributed across token holders who collectively cast votes. All votes and activity through the DAO are posted on a blockchain, making all actions of all users publicly viewable. But that doesn't mean that the username that you have is like Christina Marie McBride lives at da 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 da. da right? This sounds cool, right? Like it sounds like complicated and it sounds like Mm -hmm. oh like fuck elon musk and the shareholders like yeah i would love to be in charge of twitter right but you have to get a token to have a vote you can buy tokens with cryptocurrency so that means you have to acquire cryptocurrency with your real money or through some other means and then one token is one vote Tokens are tradable, transferable, and purchasable. So presumably, if I decide to rule Twitter, I could buy everyone's tokens if I have enough money. And hmm. then I'm the ruler of Twitter. Or yeah. me and a couple of other people are the rulers of Twitter, which means that we might have a Twitter oligarchy. Which right. How- or Elon Musk could just buy <laughs> Or, or yeah or elon musk could just buy all the tokens slash like how is that even different than what the fuck is happening now that's why i'm so like huh i just have like i don't understand and like my main like true sincere still confusion about all this is like Mm -hmm. if everything's on this blockchain right presumably it's all public knowledge. Like I, when I was watching these videos, I was saying like all of the code for these sites is going to be public, which means that in the name of like transparency, right? But it also mm-hmm. means that like, if you can figure it out, you could hack into the site and like steal everyone's blockchain money or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't understand. I have a few thoughts. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Um yeah, I think, well, here's Did I explain that well? No, you did. I think that that was that was really interesting. Um and yeah, I think it to me again it rings of like like there are just a lot of things that I think we're both like flagging as like I get it, but like in real life I don't see it. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah, so for one, this idea that you could, like, delete your data, like, you own your data, that I understand. But, like, a fundamental principle of blockchain is that you can't delete anything. Um, That, like, once it's on the chain, like how you were saying, like, the fact that everything is, like, secure on the chain, like, stabilizes it and stabilizes everything else.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So, like, you can't delete things. that's, like, a principle of it.
0: Right, which I... Don't want. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be able to delete tweets. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What so is, I'm not what's totally your sure moral I... stance on that? Like, what do you think of that? Like, should well, people what... be able to delete stuff?
1: Okay, here's what I think: is that like, blockchain is designed for currency. To put anything else on it, I think is dumb. Like, <laughs> uh huh. Like the idea that to make a Decentral like a totally decentralized YouTube, dumb to me. Like <laughs> there are there are really good reasons. I mean, YouTube right now is not good, but like you can imagine a more medium decentralized YouTube that's not totally decentralized because that would be illegal. Um, mm-hmm. You can't have people uploading anything they want. That's illegal. Like there are really good protections for children on the internet that um, and other groups, hopefully um, soon, things like that would be legislated, but like, you know, those exist for a reason. So I think that like, there's a lot of legal issues with that. Um, But yeah, I think about like, also who's to say that like people would (laughs) adopt a system where they are the voters right? Like some people probably don't want, they don't care. I think for the most part, people do like, not like the idea that we're controlled by algorithms.
0: Our voter turnout it, is not that good.
1: Right. This, this <laughs> is very true. Like, I think it's something people don't like, mm-hmm. but in terms of like how much they actually want to impact that, I think this is a very small group of people with these ideas that can go use the odyssey (laughs) and for the most part the rest of us would be fine with just like a little bit more control over algorithms and a little Mm -hmm. bit more control over our own privacy Mm -hmm. and not necessarily like giving it all over to a decentralized network because yeah and then I think right like I'm just trying to wrap my head around maybe we all do buy into a decentralized network but the like you're saying like even if it's not money that's purchasing tokens it might be um knowledge of how the network works or other things that like are essentially currency like you need to know how you need you just need to know things in order to use the system to your benefit and then certain groups who know more would benefit more from the system so I think that like just because (laughs) it's decentralized doesn't mean it would be better for everyone Mm -hmm. um and the last thing that I was sort of thinking about was like how the article said that we would eventually have these systems like it's inevitable um which I don't see that at all. Like I said, like, I don't, I'm not against it. I'm not happy with either that I see right Mm -hmm. now, but like, there are no incentives for these people with huge companies to stop having huge companies and just change it into a DAO. (laughs) Like there's no incentive for them to do that. And I highly doubt that like enough people would change to new networks for Twitter to be like, oh, we'll just put our thing on the blockchain anyways. Um, So yeah, I think that there are a lot of interesting incentive structures that could decentralize things or like change aspects about the internet that we don't like. Like for example, um, considering data as like taxable property, right? If like data collection were to be taxed, you can't amass so much data companies would stop collecting data about you. They would collect like the amount that they need to Mm -hmm. do whatever scummy thing that they do, but they Mm -hmm. wouldn't collect like erroneous amounts of data anymore if that Mm -hmm. was taxed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think like, this is probably a bad example and there are probably better examples, but like, and you mentioned Medium earlier, the website for, you know, you can publish some writing on Medium they have um, a structure where you can be like a premium member of Medium and you can like read an unlimited amount of articles per month
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you pay like $5 for that. Mm-hmm. But then with your $5, you, the, all of that money gets put towards paying other writers on Medium
0: mm-hmm.
1: based on the articles that you like. So like, if you like two articles in the month, it's split evenly between those two people.
0: You're five dollars. Yes. You know exactly
1: you like,
0: where the five dollars is going.
1: Yeah. Whoa. That's
0: if really you like five hundred to
1: get. Yeah, but yeah. you can imagine like that's something that this platform is doing, and obviously it's not like like there's probably a lot of other issues with Medium, but like
0: yeah,
1: that is a like that's what they're doing, mm-hmm. and it's interesting and Mm -hmm. things like that are out there. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Like I said earlier, I think people would have to do a lot of convincing for me personally to convince me that anything other than money like would work on a blockchain. Yeah. Because um, I think that there are, I mean, blockchain is a very specific technology. It's like, broad but also specific and just because something is like new age or whatever doesn't mean it should be on blockchain necessarily
0: um yeah yeah that reminds me of a really important thing that I forgot to mention which is why these um you know why a DAO would be useful to people. Um what's the name of the engineer we were talking about the other day? We didn't talk about it on last week. It was just I was texting Joanna about something Gebru. Gebru? Oh yeah. Um I don't remember her first name, but there's a the Google engineer. Um a ex-Google oh, engineer. Probably. We'll find her name. She's yeah, a Tim genius. It, uh, Joanna and I were texting about this engineer, this ex-Google engineer. But her name is Timnit Gebru. And she, I listened to an interview with her um, on the gray area with Sean Elling. And in it, she's talking about how the, um, these organizations, these companies, the incentive for them to become a DAO. Um, and it, okay, wait, let me back up. So for a company to become a DAO, That means that every single thing that happens to run that company or to run that site, it would have to be automated because there wouldn't be a staff of people controlling it, because that would give them power to make decisions. So, what's happening right now is that in order to develop this AI, so many engineers around the world are being employed. To um, or not even just engineers, maybe just people who like are told to like click a button a certain amount of times a day um, for these systems to collect data or whatever. Like they're being employed to help create this these AI systems that will create these DAOs so that the DAO or like with our example, decentralized Twitter can function without shareholders, without Elon Musk, and without you know, those 150 Twitter employees who were fired um, when Elon Musk became the new czar of Twitter. Um, Like, the reason that these companies would want to become a DAO is because the whole thing would then be automated. Um, And... What I don't understand is that, like, if the whole thing is automated, does anyone own the DAO or does it just exist? Like, who has this? Like, someone has to own it, right? Because otherwise, how has it been created? Like, someone has to be making money off the thing. Yeah. Or no, is that the whole point? I don't think so. Yeah.
1: I think (laughs) that. I think that, like, so, okay. Just to bring it back to the money example, and this is just my. This is how, I don't know if this is right, but banks make money off of transactions, off of your money being in the bank, right? I don't think crypto makes money from transactions. Okay. Crypto doesn't like, like you can make money investing in crypto, but like the business of banking.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
1: That isn't something that crypto does like like the way that we do with banks I don't think okay yeah it's my impression that like a DAO would just be sort of like like the way I think about it is it's just set up and that's another thing that's terrible is that it's not accountable for anything like none of us are actually accountable it's not accountable because it just exists like which doesn't make sense to me as something that could actually occur in the real world but mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't seen a good example. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Because on these DAOs, like there, I was reading a little bit about this, but I, there's no time to discuss this portion of it because it's just too much. There's going to be advertisements, like obviously, mm-hmm. Um But I need to know, like, who's making the money off of that advertisement? So anyway, we're getting a little bit too far out. Like, I I can't answer these questions because I just have so many. But essentially, like, on Web3, everything will be decentralized, apparently. Um, Things like Twitter or other social networking sites will become decentralized. They will become a DAO in which, to mine and Joanna's understanding, there will be No one held accountable for the way that the site functions. The site fully functions uh, um, automatically. And uh, this woman, this um, engineer, scientist, Tibnet Gebru, in this interview that I was listening to, was saying that, like, um, right now, that can't work until all of this data is collected by these engineers who are being like not paid at all like as if they're like sweatshop workers like clicking buttons on a computer like off the coast of california like in like literally in boats in the ocean in international waters so that they can't be like taxed or held accountable or whatever like people are being employed to do all of this very like not well-paying labor so that we can get to this point of the Tao. And what she was saying in that interview is that, like, obviously that's not ethical. And we don't need to have these things. She said, like, this determinable ev- inevitability, like, doesn't exist. It's not real. And I'm sure jo- Joanna's smiling. I feel like she's going to be I actually love lot. her. Like, yeah. <laughs>
1: she's yeah. like the only person who I feel like says things like, I actually, I don't know why I want to cry. (laughs) (laughs) I love her so much. She's like the only technologist. There are other technologists, but I just feel like she is so important of like being a technologist who actually is saying, and I watched Jurassic Park last night, guys. So I'm like really there of like, (laughs) just because you can, should you? (laughs) Like she's the only one saying that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and she's saying it in a really interesting way that is like this deterministic inevitability of like, eventually there will be web three and eventually everything will be a DAO. like you know it's inevitable that like the technology gets that way she's like no like humans are behind this like there's no way to get to the DAO without all of this data collection that is happening because these people are being you know they're essentially in like computer sweatshops tasked with like clicking on shit all day right like there are people behind this and I need to get to my point <laughs> and this isn't even the point point. and I think we're gonna talk about it probably a lot next week is my guess and probably a lot the week after that two weeks whatever the fuck I don't know our next researched thing maybe we will take a Timnit Gebru break and just talk about her but essentially how does this affect the independent creator in web3 I'm just gonna get through it because I think it's pretty like I don't know, pretty easy, right? So one of the ways that you could presumably get more tokens on a site is by posting more. So like huge creators could um, get more tokens and they have more votes, which means that you would have more control if you are a person who posts a lot and gets a lot of tokens, which also means you are beholden to living your life on this fucking platform, website, whatever you choose to you know engage with. But you would have, and, you know, let's take the writer example, you would have more money um, because there wouldn't be fees that, you know, my understanding is that there aren't fees like that we were talking about with the banking business, right? There are no taxes um, and you get directly funded. So there will likely still be ads. That's a whole different story I can't even get into, but I'm guessing it'll be pretty rogue and have no rules unless the capital T tokened vote on it. Um, But my conspiracy, I don't call this a prediction or an auspice, really. I feel it's more a conspiracy. My feeling about Web3 is that I think this is a push to get people who have no money already to spend their time, which, as we know, is attention, which is money, on these sites that are rigged. I'll say that again. I think this is a push to get people who have no money already to spend their time on these sites that are rigged. They are marketed to small creators. Web three, Odyssey, like Web three, the idea, and then Odyssey, Create on, which is the uh, blockchain decentralized version of Patreon. They are marketed to small creators, but they are seemingly going to employ similar practices, right? Like shareholders now are just going to be the people with the most tokens later. It's not a real democracy. It's not a true democracy. It's still a representative democracy in which we already live, right? Um, And if you think about the publishing industry, they're the big five publishing houses who control the book publishing, not necessarily book selling industry. And if Amazon or Wattpad or whatever service you use um, becomes a DAO, there are a few benefits. Like, What I'm saying is that it's just not going to be that different from the big five. Okay, so if you do decide to share your writing on a decentralized site, what's good is that you don't sell your book first to a publisher and then to the public. You don't have to get an advance and then get the royalties. You get to fully profit unless there are going to be some kind of fees. But again, like I think that there are not supposed to be. I think that's kind of the whole point because they're run by algorithms. They're no longer run by people. Um, It's not that 150 Twitter employees who got fired, right? That's like, that's huge. That is the main plus. And I think it's the only plus is the money possibility. It's a game changer for writers. It's a game changer for any kind of artist who has, who now in the, the world of our gig economy, we are we have to make our money with like five jobs when the thing that you want to do and the thing that you have like i have an mfa i'm almost getting my mfa in may the thing that i will have been trained to do professionally and academically i cannot make money off of doing in this world of web 3 even though i don't need an mfa even though like nothing is fucking real in this world anyway. Like I could presumably, I keep saying presumably because I don't know what's supposed to happen. I am only presuming um, you can actually get to live off of the one thing that you do. Like that is supposed to be the dream of the creator, right? Like you do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I- and I want to emphasize that, like, it is one good thing, in my opinion. It's the one good thing. But it is such a good thing that I do understand why people value it so much. Because it's, it is life-changing. It will, it it has the potential to, like, make you no longer, me, me, no longer a person who, like, you know... I'm a student and I'm also teaching and I have a stipend from teaching and I also work retail. And then I'm like also working on like essays and a novel situation, right? Like if in this world, I get to just do the one thing that I like to do and I'm not being tugged in a thousand different directions, that would literally, that that has the potential. It's, it is life, like it changes the way that you live your daily life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is why I understand the hype. I do understand the hype. I just don't believe in it. Um, there would not be that issue of the monopsony that we talked about in the beginning, because each author is printing putting out their own work. There wouldn't be, you know, the threat of smaller advances. There is no longer this like big industry above your head blocking you from getting into it. Like sounds really good when you ignore everything else it sounds really good right but also there's no rules and there's no which I love rules I feel like they keep (laughs) us safe and there's no safety net as we talked about in the last in the crypto bros episode and that's scary Mm -hmm. and So here are some negatives that aren't just like everything that we've said before that we're confused by, but here are some other like true negatives to web three, right? It will, it's supposed to have open source code, making it very susceptible to crime. Is that correct, Joanna? Open source code means you can like look at how things are made.
1: Yeah. I mean, already you can like see a lot of a good amount of what's underneath websites. Obviously something, not anything like they don't want you to see Mm -hmm. hackers
0: web 3 is also supposed to have (laughs) web 3 is also supposed to be the age of the internet in which we have virtual reality so they're supposedly going to be 3d graphics um which like could be a plus but mostly it means you need fancier computers and devices which means that a lot of people won't be able to use web 3 or like, you know how your iPhone, Joanna, and listener, you know how your iPhone feels like it stops fucking working after two years, even though some of us, Joanna, hold on to it with white knuckles for eight? I have a new phone now. <laughs> um, That's going to happen faster. Oh, God. Yeah. And yes, you own your data, which I still don't really understand that technically the blockchain in my head joanna like it still is not making sense um even though you technically own your data it will become public Mm -hmm. which like in the name of freedom freedom but what if i don't want anyone to know anything about me what if i want a drunk tweet and then delete okay anyway web that's your freedom that's my freedom, is that I can yeah. delete any tweet I want. Don't put my fucking tweets on the blockchain. Some of them flop. I don't <laughs> want there to be evidence that it got no likes. Um, and then my synopsis is, Web3 seems like it is truly the wild, wild west. Every man for himself. Everybody knows everybody's business. And it's worth noting again, Accessibility is way limited. I mean, the other thing is, like,
1: like, even when you're saying the positives, it maybe I'm just like, maybe I need to watch this video on DAOs for myself. But, like, I know I've talked to you about this so much of, like, and you even said it, that, like, it would allow a creator to create be spend more time creating and not spend time doing the things they don't want to do. Like, and I know you've talked about on the pod, you've talked about, and other times that like one of the things you hate doing the most is peddling yourself. To me, like that does not change. <laughs> no,
0: no, yeah, you know like I didn't add that, and I didn't even think of it. That's really yeah, hard.
1: yeah, yeah, like that. I I honestly don't like. I I think you're right that there is a little bit more of like in the ideals. And like you said, how they're coercing people to come and believe in these ideas or like, um, not that it's like a cult, like believe in these ideas, but like, you know, just some of the things that they're saying are targeted towards people in a specific way. But to me, that's just not something that you would achieve. You would, of course, have to do more work, like you said about an independent publisher they have to do all the things like although publishing houses suck there's a reason that people would ideally have an agent who sells their book for them and have somebody who makes their book cover for them and they can spend more time writing like that's also why that exists and it yeah. it exists and people like it so much that those companies can get so big and then become evil yeah. but yeah. yeah, like those people exist for a reason, like realtors. You know, like if I could buy my house <laughs> on the blockchain, like I don't know anything about buying a house. I don't know where who to call. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't know how to get a, a showing set up or whatever. Like
0: <laughs> like these middlemen. One... Do I check the pipes? Am I allowed to turn the shower on to check the water pressure? Is that rude?
1: <laughs> Can you imagine if like an AI like let you into a house? I don't I don't even know. Is it, it a metaverse house? <laughs> I don't know. But right like like yeah, I think like a lot of times we yeah, I think I I just like more so think about like there's probably a better middle that we could meet between like what we have now and like these things that are totally idealistic and like idealistic but also like not in the ideals that I think are totally thought through Mm -hmm.
0: yeah so yeah I think it's a new I think it's the digital age version of selling the American dream like they're yeah I don't want to self-publish because I don't want to do all of that Mm -hmm. being an influencer which I talked about at length last season seems really hard you're doing like yes, you're making way more money. But your work is 24/7. Like you think that and you know as I was saying like I wouldn't have to teach and have another job and do the projects that I want to work on. I would only do those projects, but then like as you said, I would have to pedal myself and become a business myself in order to um you know make any money from doing those things. And It would be life changing in the sense that, like, I am in charge of my own shit fully. But that means every single responsibility that comes with that. And I am not an expert in those things. And yeah, as you said, that's why agents exist. That's why a real estate agent exists. That's why we pay other people to do these middlemaning jobs. And I don't think of the middleman as evil, I think of them as like taking the burden off of both parties who are you know, buying and selling, right? Like, there is a reason that system exists. Could we all make more money if they were cut out? Yes. It would mean that I would have to then spend my time, which is also currency, learning a new skill, which it just, you just got to decide if it's worth it to you, right? Like, I would love to just decide to like, you know, make my book cover. I don't want to copy edit my entire book, and I don't want to write the flap copy, which is like I I don't want to write the the back blurb or like the the things that come out on the side on the hardcover. I don't want to write that. That's pedal. That's being like this debut novel from Christina McBride is going to be the craziest ride of your summer. Da 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 da. Like I. Okay. I'm smiling. I'm like, that kind of sounds fun, but you know, like I, and even right now, if you're on, if you're listening to this episode because of what I've been posting on TikTok, bless your heart. Thank you for being here. I started posting stuff on TikTok this week just because I'm like, I do need, I do. And I do need to pedal the podcast for people to listen to it. I do believe so much in, you know, what we're doing. I think it's really interesting And I think it's important to know this stuff, especially as we like keep consuming shit on the internet and it's only going to get more complicated and it's only going to get, you know, five years ago, we knew about Bitcoin, but we weren't talking about it like this. Like this is happening really quickly. I think it's important and I want people to know about it. And so I have to peddle myself, but I don't want to. I want my intern to do it, but she's not a good intern. yeah pro middleman is that wrong of me I don't know am I like I love big government I don't know I don't know all I know is that like this seems like it is not it is not what it is being marketed as it seems like a recipe for more work more attachment to your devices um less security with your finances, more surveillance of the shit that you do online, right? Like sometimes you do post something that you don't want people to see because you're an idiot and you're like trying to send a nude to your boyfriend and then you like post it online somehow or something like, or like, you're drunk and you're tweeting like I'm so fucked up right now and then you like go try to like do your interview for to be a kindergarten teacher the next day like Mm -hmm. you know you're allowed to be both of those people and you're Mm -hmm. allowed to delete your tweet (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think yeah I don't know I think that like as I said marketing this to the creator, the the modern artist. It's just, you know, creator is what we're saying now for like the like, woe is me, hard life, um, working really hard, ra- artist life, life in, of an art. I don't know. There's some there's some word the what do people say? Um yeah, yeah, a
1: um a starving
0: artist? Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. The creator, which sounds so godly, is like, <laughs> it's just the modern version of the starving artist. Ugh. I'm feeling a Substack article in what I'm saying right now. I have to peddle myself. But yeah, I feel like this is being marketed. This idea is being marketed towards starving artists to like give them more control and more independence and more financial control and more financial independence and creative control and da 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 it's still not made for us because if artists got to choose i think we would all live on farms (laughs) i really do and then just like snail mail shit to each other i love that those are my thoughts on the matter it's a long episode but i think necessary yeah that was really interesting Thank you, oh, uh uh-uh. uh uh-uh. 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 The thing is that, like yeah, it's re- it's really hard. It's really hard to get your book published in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm. In this way, anyone can publish a book, but do we all need to? To me, it just like reminds me of
1: so many arguments or debates I've had with people who are like oh if you don't like this thing then you like this thing like oh if you don't agree or if you think web 3 is sketchy then you must like the way it is now with like
0: mm-hmm.
1: all these big five Then you're a communist
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you're I a communist like- if you like web 3 please note that christina got confused just then <laughs> you're totalitarian but um and to me
1: it's like I mean I feel like it's just reminds me of like being younger and being like feeling like I have to defend an opinion that exists
0: mm-hmm. or that
1: like someone is telling me but I think like as I get older and I'm not even that old but I don't know, and I don't know if it's just like gaining more knowledge, or like especially in this podcast where I feel like we research things with some nuance, and like we're so we're
0: much nuance. Well, <laughs> so I think mean, even if we don't,
1: well, we're trying to like come up with something to say that's new, right? We're like auspicious. We're mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. forecasting. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I think what's really interesting about that exercise is like we're open to things that don't exist yet and we can like Mm -hmm. talk about things and like have opinions that don't like color in the lines of what already exists and we don't have to like yeah I just feel like I I'm thinking of myself like backed into a corner of being like oh yeah like you said like do I like big government it's like you don't have to (laughs) or you can like
0: some parts of it Mm -hmm. but not other parts yeah so. I mean, like, if we do end up in this in this crazy version of, you know, the most Web3, 3, Web3 3 version of Web3, like, maybe I will like it. I don't know. It doesn't exist yet. Here are the things that I have serious doubts about, and, like, I'm not interested in it for those reasons. Um, and Jurassic Park, like, just because we can, should we? timnit gebru just because we can should we she said this really interesting thing about like just because we have the ability to make these like i don't know what is the word something language systems it's like a kind of ai that is not sentient but like possibly sentient like these large language systems like Mm -hmm. just because we have like the ability to do that doesn't mean that we need to do that. Um, she said that about like about um, GPT three. She was yeah, like, "Yeah, we'll
1: get into that."
0: I know we'll get it. Do you know what she said? Do you remember what she said about it though?
1: No, but I read. I mean, I I didn't listen to the um, the interview you sent me yet, but I have read a lot of what she says. And yeah,
0: and she's just like, if you know, if if we had a different set of priorities, we'd be making something other than GPT three which Joanna's nodding a lot, so I'll stop it there. But yeah, we, like, again and again, the few with the resources are creating things that maybe don't have to happen and that are marketed to serve the public, but don't. And from my personal perspective, um, I don't want to live a life where I'm beholden to my device that has to somehow accommodate VR. <laughs> like my phone, which I just got last year already is starting to fuck up. Like, I don't, I don't, I I can't keep up. I can't keep up. But I also feel like I have to know which is what this podcast is. It's driven by my like curiosity and also just like I can't let other people explain stuff to me unless it's Joanna. <laughs> Truly. So yeah, that's all I have. Do you have any final thoughts? Guys,
1: please bet your tokens on our podcast.
0: <laughs> no, we should offer tokens. Oh, okay. Guys. Actually, wait. <laughs> no no no, wait no we we get tokens tokens. (laughs) we have tokens do you guys consider consider donating your tokens to us for listening to the podcast that can be you don't have to pay us in in ethereum we can just take your little token and then we will be part of the oligarchy
1: i was gonna say my vision of blockchain is spiders holding hands and that may help clear some things up or maybe i've just but they're individual spiders right so People it's you're a spider and you hold hands with other spiders so
0: you're a spider i'm a spider yeah we hold hands you're a bird i'm a bird <laughs> that's from the notebook i know okay <laughs> Thank you for listening to How We Live Online. Signing off. This is Tokanina. <laughs> Tokstina. Tocustina. <laughs>
1: and Joanna Tokinita. Joanna Chain.